challenge from 5 o'clock to 6.30 p.m. here in the sanctuary. Any child ages kindergarten through eighth grade can participate. So visit rockpointchurch.org children for more details and to register. Hey, Mommies in Connection is back. Sweet. Yeah, on September the 12th, join us here in the sanctuary from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. for a time of fellowship. And no registration is required. Yeah, just show up and bring your mom friends. That's it for this week. Make it a great one. Can we have a three-peat? Oh, you just jinxed it. I did. Here we go. September 1st, take two. September 1st, take, take two. Take three. All right. is required. That's right. Just show up and bring your mom friends. That's it for this week. Make it a great one. <laughs> That's all we did, yeah? Oh, good, good. Okay. And we had a bang. Good morning, Rock Point family. It's great to see you this wonderful Sunday morning. Would you mind standing to your feet? And let's worship our Lord and Savior this morning. Sing this song with us, Like a Lion. Make the darkness hide 
this morning. We set our hearts on what will last. Your word, your love, your faithfulness. Our hope is built on nothing less. We open wide our mouths to praise. Let this generation raise a song of freedom all our days. Say, 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 say you believe it. Say for the whole world to hear it. We know and we declare it. Jesus is King. say good morning to your neighbor. Wish him a happy Sunday. All right, you can go ahead and have a seat. Thanks for greeting those around you. I just want to uh, let you know about a couple of resources that we have. You know, there's a lot of ways that we want to plug into uh, the worship experience and what happens here at church. And so, you know, we've had uh, analog versions of those for a long time. For example, the notes card and the seat back in front of you, um, recordings of sermons and things that we have. Uh, but we also realize that there's ways to kind of tag on to what's already important to you and, and make those available in an electronic format. So I want to do a quick run through of a few things that we have, a few tools that are online and it's going to be fast on a few of these parts. We have a brochure at the back that runs through a lot of these things, too. If you were on your phone right now and you went to our church website, you would see something that kind of looks like this. I want to go talk through, and there's apps for um, all of these things. Talk about the YouVersion Bible app uh, as a part of this, too. So what we do is Pastor Ron, uh, Randy, other speakers who are getting their sermons together will take their notes and put these things in the YouVersion app. It's already a great uh, free app that you can use for your parts for Bible reading and devotionals and more. But if you have this little live event, there's a place that you can search. And on this little uh, run through, we're searching by zip code. And uh, with a little piece of information scrolling down, you can find notes that we put in every week for what we're uh, 
uh, Sharon here at Rock Point Church. And so uh, a couple of neat things I wanted to show you about that. Uh, you may be a person who's already walking in, having your phone. Um, this kind of puts it to good use on a Sunday morning if you choose to do that. Um, a couple of ways you can interact. You'll kind of see pa- uh, passages of Scripture and then also um, some points and questions that are in here. And a couple of ways that, uh, for you to be able to interact with those I want to show you. One of those is the Add Your Notes feature, which is a great way to kind of get these things back. So you can type in some things that have kind of stood out to you. Um, be able to type in your own notes, and then by putting in your email address, either save those on the app for your later reference or send them in an email back to yourself. So a great way because, you know, it's, even with our best, uh, you know, intents of remembering everything, it may be difficult come Monday morning or next week, so forth. Um, so lots of things on there. You can see all the different points that, uh, in fact, there's a preview of Ron's sermon right there. Um, you can see all the things that are uh, going to be you know, talked about, kind of the bullet points. There's also ways to interact and use the strengths of the uh, app for the Bible Reader part. You'll see the Go To Bible Reader button there. Um, the passage that was listed there was ESV, uh, Translation of Scripture. But if you want to pick something like uh, the ASV is up on top, so you can kind of grab that and see the same Scripture uh, in another translation. Uh, so that is one of the three things we want to kind of show you on this, and that's called the Version app. Another thing, if we go back to uh, the home page of our uh, website, this is on that phone view again, and this time we're going to click on Sermon Audio. So this is really a way to say, you know what, if you missed last week, here's a way to be able to listen to maybe A Case for Faith, the first uh, sermon of this series that we had done. And uh, on the website, there's a lot of different ways to interact with that. One I want to show you, you can get the notes for today's part in the uh, version, but at that view PDF part that we clicked on there, you can see the notes for last week and the weeks before. And so we archive a lot of those things. And again, it's just kind of a, you know, a different version of things like the old, you know, kind of get your sermons on CD, uh, except this is a great way to have years and years of parts that are archived, uh, not only from Ron, but other uh, pastors and speakers we've had here at Rock Point. Um, last thing I want to show you that this is going to change again, this is looking more at a, a desktop view, is the Give Online function that we also use. So you can click on a couple different ways. There's also a resource tab on the top. And uh, this brings you to another tool that our church uses. It's called In Fellowship. And uh, so this is going to kind of just do a, a brief walkthrough to kind of show you the options. Uh, again, not replacing, you know, what we'll do here. Uh, we will still pass the plate. Uh, but we'll also give some versions uh, of uh, being able to give and different categories, different ways to schedule that. So if you have registered for an event at the church, if you're receiving RPC uh, reminder emails, you probably already have an account there. But if not, you can make one. And this is the view of in fellowship. Several different things you can do, including privacy settings and your information. We're going to look at the your giving uh, portion there and just kind of give you the quick run through. There's a couple of tabs on top that don't show in this view very well and a couple tabs on the side. Um, But basically, you've got ways to give now, which is the button that we'll click and kind of do the walkthrough. And then if you've checked out on Amazon.com or something else, this is built to be simple and kind of look the same way. Uh, Ways to do a pull-down menu to have different categories of how you'd like to apply uh, your contribution, whether that's to a general fund. On this one, we'll click in another example and say, well, let's do general, and maybe we'll also put an amount for benevolence, um, and, and so on. There's categories for uh, missions, and on this missions uh, uh, mission opportunity, there's several different pull-downs there. So lots of different ways. If you want to uh, be able to find ways to apply your charitable giving, perhaps you weren't able to make it on a Sunday, it's a holiday weekend, um, things that you want to set up. Maybe you don't, you know, bring your checkbook with you or otherwise you'd like to give. So that kind of works out there. Um, credit or debit card information there. 
A little bit later this fall, we're adding eCheck uh, online too, which is uh, maybe just another convenient option. Um, another thing she's doing here, uh, Sally Sample on this one, is looking at giving schedules. And so be, beyond just the ability to give now, you can also set up scheduled giving. So she's going to click on the option there. And it looks very similar to uh, you know, the parts we had before. You've got your different categories. The difference on this one is, and in, in this case, she's picking building campaign for the journey. The difference here is then you can set up some reoccurring things. So if you say, well, I, I really you know, meant to be able to, to give to the journey, but I forget about it. You know, I forget to bring a checkbook. I'm not here each month. So in this example, maybe she's setting up something that's happening every month starting January 2014. And just to make sure that doesn't go on forever, she's going to set an end date in January 2016. Um, and so you'll continue. You'll have payment options and you'll be able to kind of wrap that up. The last part is just more access for your information. And so a third part that you'll see a, a click on here real quick is a chance for you to be able to download your uh, year-to-date uh, charitable contributions for Rockpoint. So we still print those and send those off to you, but you can always get that at any point, kind of check your progress, um, you know, get that information there, and it would look something like that. That's a really fast run-through. And it's three of the items we have, and so I, you know, don't expect that you kind of absorb all that information. But if that's something, you know, some of you would say, that's enough for me that I can know I can go and find those things on my own. And some of you would say, that was way too fast, and you lost me at smartphone. And so we also have an online resources uh, little brochure, and you can grab this on the back kind of walks through several of these different steps in addition to some other resources that may just, you know, uh, help out in your worship and your experience with Rockpoint. Thank you. Our scripture passage of reflection today and focus is coming from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. And that passage reads like this, and I'm reading from the HCSB translation. Now, faith is the reality what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. For our ancestors won God's approval by it. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by God's command, so that what is seen has been made from things that are not visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was approved as a righteous man because God approved his gifts. And even though he is dead, he still speaks through his faith. By faith, Enoch was taken away, so he did not experience death, and he was not to be found because God took him away. For prior to his removal, he was approved, since he had pleased God. Now without faith, it is impossible to please God, for the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and rewards those seek him. Amen. If you would, let's just prepare our heart for a time of communion as we receive from the table of the Lord. So if you would uh, take a few moments to be still and know that he is God. If there's something you need to confess and make right before him as you examine your heart, as we receive of the bread that represents the body of Christ that suffered and lived and died and lived the life that we should have lived and died the death that we should have died. As we seek to remember, as we seek to worship, and as we seek to proclaim, take a moment to prepare your heart.
Jesus said, As often as you eat of this bread, do so in remembrance of me. Take and eat. Dear Lord, we thank you so much that he who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. And as we receive of the cup, we remember and we celebrate and we proclaim that the cross has reconciled us to God. Because you said in the word there could be no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. Jesus shed his own perfect and sinless blood. That all who would believe and transfer their trust to him would receive the grace and forgiveness offered through the new covenant by the blood of Christ. So as we receive of this cup, we do so in celebration and in worship and in proclamation. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest friend, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Christ alone Savior's love through the storm. He is Lord, Lord of all. When darkness seems to hide His face, I rest on His unchanging Every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the lake. My anchor holds within the lake. Christ alone, part of stone, we made strong. The Savior's love through the storm. He is Lord, Lord of all. Christ alone, cornerstone, we made strong in the Savior's love. Sound. Oh, may I then 
in him be found dressed in his dressed in his righteousness alone faultless to stand before the throne faultless to stand before the throne Christ alone Savior's love through the storm. He is Lord, Lord of all. And Jesus said, as often as you drink of this cup, do so in remembrance of me. Take and drink. Talks 
this prayer in your heart. Say, Jesus, speak to me today. Father in heaven, we thank you for this time together this morning, and we thank you for the richness of your glory of your spirit, and as we look at your word today, I pray that you would give us insight and understanding and discernment. And for the one that does not know you today, Lord, I pray that you draw them by the power of your spirit. Speak to our hearts and teach us to walk with you. In your name I pray, amen. All right, how many of you have ever heard that old song before? Okay, all right. There's about... 30 of you there going, what? Uh, and, and I get that. And uh, as we talk about faith today, the second part of our series, Faith Walking, we're going to look at a, a man named Enoch, who walked, the Bible says, walked with God. He walked with God. Uh, we see that happening in Genesis chapter 3 when God would walk with Adam and Eve. He'd walk in the garden. That word Eden uh, means delightful or garden of luxury. And it was the place where mankind was placed, where everything that he would ever need was provided. And then, of course, through sin, he lost that fellowship with God as he openly rebelled against God in the sense of trying to take uh, his place. Uh, then the guard, they are removed from the garden. But we believe as believers and as Christians that one day God is going to create a new heavens and a new earth. He's going to restore it even to a more perfected site that we will spend eternity at. And that's the new earth that God will one day create. Jesus will come again, and this earth will be removed, but he will renew and replace and create the Bible that tells us in the book of Revelation, a new earth. And in my opinion, a new Eden. But until that day, we live here. All right? And so, but we're going to look at the life of Enoch. It's very short uh, information that we have on him. His name only uh, really appears just in a few verses uh, in the Old Testament and a few verses in the New Testament. But we know that he uh, lived to be 365 years old and that he walked with God. The Bible says that twice in the Genesis narrative that he walked with God, that he pleased God, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 11, and that he believed God. It pistale, that Greek word that we talked about last week, that he committed and adhered to. And then in the book of Jude, uh, verses 14 through 16, we see that the Bible says that he prophesied for God. He was a great man, man of faith that we don't know a lot about, but that God designated as one who walked with him. One who walked with God. Now, <clears throat> before 
we get way into this, I, w- I want to give you two things. Number one, I want to give you the illustration that I gave you last week by Max Licato, trying to understand what faith is and what faith is not. But I think this is a great description uh, that Licato gives us here. It says, faith is not the belief that God will do what you want. It is the belief that God will do what is right. One more time. Faith is not the belief that God will do what you want. It is the belief that God will do what is right. You know, we have a, one, one of our members is a judge, and I spoke to him this week. And uh, his duty is to not only define the law, but to enact law, to enact justice. And we, we look to our legal system uh, to make sure justice is given, that people aren't just making decisions based on emotions, based on their thoughts, upon their philosophy, but, but on the law of the land. And so uh, that is what he does for, for a living. And he determines that based on what is the truth of the law. Uh, matter of fact, we were talking, he said, sometimes I have feelings and emotions based on certain situations, but I ultimately must do what the law states and what justice is. And that's what we want. We don't want a judge that simply says, uh, well, how do you feel about this person? They seem nice. They seem to be crying a lot. Let's go with that. You have to go back. You have to have a standard of truth. And that's what faith is. We believe that God will do uh, what is right based upon who he is, upon his word. And that's what real faith is. You know, another brief description. Um, about a year ago, I brought, bought my wife uh, our first iPad in the family. We didn't, we didn't have any pads or any Apple products at the time. And so uh, I, I ordered her an iPad. I, got on, I went to the Apple store and I ordered it. And they sent me a note saying, it's coming. So I believed in faith. I had good reason because of who they are, because I know that they produce uh, that iPad. And they sent me a note confirming that I was going to get it. So I looked forward in anticipation to receiving that, to give that as our gift for her birthday. That's a picture of faith. Sometimes people take the world's definition of faith, which is really more like luck, and it would go something like this. You know... I turned my name into one of those drawings. I got a thing on the internet. It said, you're sure to win. And so I turned my name in, and I have a good feeling about this. Or I put my name in, and I was at at a department store the other day, and you can win a free iPad. And so I filled the information out, and I put my name in there. I got a good feeling. I'm just going to enact some faith and say, that iPad's coming to me. No, that's luck, okay? If you get the iPad like that, it's luck. Faith is believing in the person who has determined that they will give to you or that they will uphold the promise and the commitment that they have made. That's the difference between faith and luck. So just so we have that framework in our mind, I think it's good for us to know. Now, I want to share a concept, and I know this is a little heavy and a little thick. I I, I get that. Uh, But for those of you who can can grab it, I think it'll mean a lot to you. For the rest of you, you'll go, what in the world was that all about? I I don't even get that. Didn't want to hear that. But let's just talk for just a moment. Uh, I I want to talk to you a little bit about the authority of God, who he is, God as king, God as Lord and sovereign ruler of the world. And that we, and the Bible tells us, in fact, are hostile, are enemies of God. Now, I remember the first time I heard that. I didn't like that at all. I was thinking, well, I'm not an enemy of God. I'm not hostile to God. I'm not at war with God. I don't like that whole concept. I don't like that analogy. I remember somebody was sharing the gospel with me, and I go, I just don't like that. And I don't think that's right. But let me read some scripture to you. The Bible tells us in 
in several places, but a couple places. One, Romans 8, verse 7. Romans chapter 8, verse 7. For the mind that is set on flesh is hostile to God. Your translation might say, is an enemy of God. For it does not submit to God's laws. Indeed, it cannot. Colossians chapter 1, verse 21. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, or enemies of God, doing evil deeds, has now been reconciled in this body of flesh by death. The Bible makes it clear, quite frankly, that we are at war with God, that mankind is at war with God. That's kind of tough. It's not a word we want to hear right now. Particularly, there's a war going on in Syria right now. There's actually several wars going on. But how does war transpire? Let's talk about it to begin with. This is typically, and I realize they're exception, but typically this is how it happens. You've got an aggressor who wants to either maintain control or wants to take control of a certain area or a throne or a position of authority. So you've got one who, who uh, wants it and you have one who's seeking to defend it. Okay? That's typically how war goes. Now, within that framework, there's typically someone who, who is defending what they feel like is right, and there's another who is using aggression, who's using other tactics to glean what they think they ought to have or what they want or what they deserve, i.e., see Syria. What's happening in Syria without getting in, into the whole thing right now? You've got a regime who, that has been oppressive toward its people. And now, uh, as the people rallied and they wanted certain rights, they wanted to be able to vote and certain things of that nature, that regime began to oppress, began to torture, began to kill. And as, as recent, it appears they have been using chemical warfare. All right. Now, how do you justify that in your mind, to use chemicals that killed, as we see, nearly 500 children? Uh, mainly civilians are usually the ones that are killed with uh, chemical warfare because the military is able to either prepare for it uh, or for different measures. It's usually more of an act of terror. It's not the most effective bomb, so to speak, that you could drop. But it sure does send a lot of terror, and usually there are a lot of innocent people that die with that. How do you justify it? Well, you say... You know what? They're trying to take my throne. They're trying to take my authority, and they deserve it. If they should support me, they deserve it. And we can look at that mentality, but, but yes, is that the way to handle it? And is that the correct mindset? And we'd say, no, it's not. But we recognize those two factions are at war against each other because of who will ultimately be an authority. That's why they're at war. Two, they both can't have the position. They both can't have the authority. So war transpires. Well, if we go back and we look at the book of Genesis, chapter 3, last week, as we talked about Abel, before Abel, of course, is Cain. Uh, or excuse me, Cain is his brother. And if you go back even further, obviously there's Adam and Eve. How did they have to leave the, the, the Garden of Eden? Why did they have to leave? You know why? Because they listened to the propaganda, the lies of the serpent, and they ate of the fruit that was forbidden. Okay, God said, from every, any other tree you can eat, but not this one. And so what did they do? Satan comes in and he says, do you really believe that? Do you really believe that lie? He's just jealous. You don't have to buy into that. Move yourself on to the throne. You make the decisions. You be the master. Don't let him be telling you what to do. And so that's exactly what happened. And can I tell you, this is the principle that's hard for us. That God is the king, and he is the Lord and the Son of God of the universe. 
And he created us. We are his creatures. And he created us to bring him glory. We are to be his servants ultimately, to bring him glory. And every time that we sin and go against him, what we do is we push him off the throne. It's actually an act of sedition. It's an act of war. You know what? You're on that throne, but move over, God. I'm going to take control. I'm going to be the one who sits here. And so we may think, you know, I just, okay, so I broke a rule. Big deal. But you see, as God views it, it is an act of treason. We are seeking to take the place that is rightfully His. So before we can really even come to God and know Him, we must admit that we, we say we must admit we're sinners, that we are against Him. We are against His very nature. Our nature is sin. His is holiness. Okay? And we must admit, you know what? He is the Lord. He is God. And we are at hot, we have hostilities toward Him, particularly before we come to Christ. And you, you see this with people all the time when people say, we read a passage of Scripture and go, well, I, I don't like that. I don't agree with that. I see that. I, I don't buy that. And we go, you know what? I'll make the decision here. I'm in charge here. There's the picture right there. So Jesus came, the cross. There had to be a penalty pay, to pay uh, for the treason, for the sin. And Jesus Christ paid it. There, the Bible said, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So he came and said, I will pay their penalty. I recognize that they constantly are trying to push you off the throne, Almighty God, Father, but I will pay their cost. I will pay their price. And when you get that, it gives you a new understanding, a new vision of sin. It's not just something, a little rule I broke. It's not just something I did, no big deal. We see it as an act of aggression, of kingship, of treason against God Almighty. And that's the picture the Bible gives us. And I know that's heavy. I know a lot of people are going, I don't know if I like that. It's not about do we like it. It's how God sees it. But the wonderful news is his grace covers. And he says, I have given you a way in which I will forgive all sins. And you are completely reconciled. And that's what the word peace means. We were against God. But now we are at peace with God. Because Christ has reconciled us through the cross. All right. That's a lot of theology, and that's a little bit heavy. I understand uh, this early in the morning. Uh, but if you'll just remember that there are really, when we look at authority, uh, there are two ways we view it. Okay? There's one, two ways that we view authority. Number one, we can view authority because of who they are and because of who we believe them to be. And so if they tell us to do something, we do it because of who they are, i.e., see children to parents. Children don't understand everything, but you want to get those children where they believe and they trust that ultimately you're doing what is best. And so it's, it, you're not really interested, or you hope it makes sense to them, but you're not, the prime objective is not, hey, I want to make sure this all makes sense to you because there's some things they just can't ascertain. When a child's real little, they're not going to understand why they can't run in the street because they don't understand the concept of getting kill, killed by a car, okay? And so you just have to say, you know what? This is something I'm going to remove you from, and I want you to trust me we're not going to run in that street. So there's that relationship, or there's a relationship uh, with authority where you look at authority and, and you decide, if I agree with it, I'll go with it. If I think they're right, I'll observe it. If not, I'm not going to. We do that all the time, every day. You know, several of you are police officers, and you know, some of us drive, we see the speed limit, say 50, and some say, that's the law. I'm going to keep it. Others say, ah, eh, this, is, this is wide open here. I'll just kind of go as fast as I want. 
And we kind of look at the sign as advice, all right? I think good advice. 50, 55, that's, that's some good advice. I think 65 will be fine, all right? And we treat it in that manner. Many of us use that same mentality when it comes to the Word of God. And we look at God as advice. Well, yeah, that sounds good. God, I'll go with that. Oh, that doesn't sound good. I don't think I'm doing that. And that's how you know if he's king and lord of your life. Do you see him as advisor or authority? Even when there are things that you don't understand, do you still trust and believe? Or you simply say, if it makes sense, I'll go with it. That's the picture right there of our relationship with him. That's the picture of what it means to be uh, at odds with God in that sense. So let's look at our text in Genesis chapter 5 to begin with here. Genesis chapter 5, and um, we've seen Adam and Eve, we've seen Cain and Abel, and then we get to uh, chapter 4 where Cain has killed Abel, and we see how death has come just as God told mankind that death would come uh, if they uh, ate of the fruit, and certainly we see death happening all through chapter 5. These people live, then they die, they live, and they die, and that's the common thread. And uh, then we pick up in verse 21, or excuse me, in 22 of chapter 5, Enoch walked with God, there's that term, walking with God, after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Now, that word Enoch uh, has two, it's difficult for us to totally ascertain the etymology of the Hebrew word, but it has to do with commencement and dedication, okay, the word Enoch. So he's one who's dedicated, but he's also the one where a, a beginning, where it's com, com, uh, the commencement begins. And as we read the next name, we see he fathered Methuselah. Now, Methuselah has the uh, honor of being the oldest man that ever lived in Scripture. Uh, he lives over 900 years. And what that word, the etymology of that word means, and death shall come, and judgment shall come. So we see Enoch, the one whom commencement, whom dedication occurs, and then we see, and then judgment shall come. And then if you follow Methuselah to the end of his life, it's pretty much at the same time that we see Noah coming on the scene, which means rest or comfort. And we see God kind of resetting mankind. Sin has abound, and sin has had its day. And God, we see, uh, makes this uh, prophecy. We know this from, uh, from Jude chapter 1, verses 14 through 16, about Enoch, that he is prophesying in a day that's very corrupt. And then we see here in the Scriptures their names. The dedication, the commencement, the, the judgment shall come, and then peace and rest shall rule and shall come. So, how do we walk with God today? How do we walk with God today? Well, if, if you would, flip over with me to our text in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 5. We'll start right there, 5 and 6 and 7. And by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. He has the honor of only two men who did not die the physical death, and, and Elijah being the other. Now, before he was taken, he was commended. Now, last week we talked about some Greek words, and let me give you a few more Greek words today. We'll look at the ones we had last week. First of all, there's uh, pistis, which is faith, which means adherence to, commitment to, um, obedience to. There's mortore. Mortore is the word that we get our word martyr from. It means testimony, uh, commendation. And then euristas uh, is pleased. And then adonatas, uh, which is impossible. Now, we'll see these words right here. 
And uh, we'll see how they're, they're spelled out. So by faith, by pistis, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended. More Torah, which means his testimony, uh, his faith was demonstrated as having pleased God. There's the other word that we use, the eristos, which means not only to please but to make acceptable. Okay? So he, his testimony was acceptable to God. And without faith, it is impossible. There's our other word, adunanas, which means uh, to, to be too weak or unacceptable to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must pisteo, have faith, adherence to, commitment to, that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So how did Enoch walk with God? Well, the first thing he did, he had communion with God. You know, we had communion a while ago. And one of the things that we, reasons that we have communion certainly is an aspect of worship, an aspect of celebration of the goodness of God to remember and to proclaim His glory. But also it's a time where we are still and we reflect and we meditate upon who He is and our position with Him is a time where we seek to ask forgiveness and to come into fellowship and to peace and communion with Him. Also, we see the direction. We see that from uh, the book of Jude, uh, the direction of uh, Enoch. He was one who spoke forth the truth boldly, who prophesied, who went in the same direction of God Almighty, although it appears that most of mankind was not. And then we see the duration that for over 300 years, he walked with God. That word, walk. Now, let's, let's talk about what walk is and what it's not, okay? First of all, to walk with God does not simply mean uh, that we are, um, it, that it's an automatic, that it's just going to automatically happen. I accept Christ, and now I'm automatically walking with God. That's not necessarily true at all. Some people accept Christ, and they expect, you know what? It's just happened. I've done my part. And they're not really walking with God. Enoch was walking with God. He was partnering with God. He was in fellowship with God would be a good word to use. Uh, you know, before we had children, my wife and I, uh, every night we would go out and we would walk. And it was a very personal and very rich time. It was something we looked forward to because we'd walk, we'd talk, we'd visit, and we also got exercise. So it was a very healthy and very productive time. And that's the picture right there of walking with someone, walking together. You see it as a privilege, not as a have to. Our relationship with God is one that's intimate because of the privilege and because of the honor and because of the opportunity that he has presented us and because of the grace that he has shown us. So as we look at that and as we understand that, it's important to come back to realize, how do we come to God? How do we come to Him? And let's go back to the beginning. First of all, we must recognize who He is. How do we walk with Him? Recognize that He is the Creator. He is the God. He is the, the most sovereign ruler of not only the world, but of our very lives. He holds all authority and all power. Secondly, because of my sin, I am hostile, I am at war with him until I come to the place that I recognize he's the authority and I confess my need. I confess 
my sin before him. Remember last week we looked at Abel and Cain. Remember how when God confronted Cain with the truth, what did he do? He became angry. He became embittered. He was literally the Hebrew. He was hostile toward God. When God convicts us of our sin and, and we're unwilling to receive his grace, we're under, uh, unwilling to admit it. You know what, how we often feel? It angers us. We become that spirit of hostility. We see that spirit because it's not what we want. He's not doing what we want. But at the cross, as we believe that the cross was God's instrument of not only divine judgment, but divine forgiveness. Because God is perfect and holy and could not dwell in the presence of sin, He said, every sin will receive a just recompense of reward. The wages of sin is death. And so God said, you know what? In His mercy, I must be a just judge, but I will make a way for someone else to pay the price for your sin. And so Jesus provided that way. Because the Bible said there is no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. So Jesus shed his blood at the cross for all who would believe, pisteo, trust, commit to, adhere to, would receive the forgiveness of Christ. And therefore we become reconciled. As we read earlier, Colossians 1, 21 and 22. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, he now is reconciled in the body. That's where we're We're now at peace with God in order to present you as holy and blameless above reproach before him. So you'd say, oh, that's all well and good, Ron, but how am I supposed to, I still understand, how am I supposed to walk with God? Well, it's, it is a matter of faith. It's first of all what you believe. Number two, it's a matter of faith. It's a matter of confession. But let me give you some other tools that will help you on that journey. And these are meant to be tools that help clear the road. They don't make you uh, godly. They don't make you walk with God, but they're, they're things that kind of clear the street, clear the debris out, and they're called spiritual disciplines. Now, this is something we'll be teaching in our Trek classes, and I encourage you to, to take one of those classes. This is a great one on spiritual disciplines, but I want you at least to be aware of what they are. Uh, one of the ways that we can walk with God is through meditation. And we've talked about this before, meditating upon Scripture, memorizing Scripture, letting it marinate in your mind and speak to your heart. Number two, through prayer, which is the primary way that we communicate to God. Through fasting from the stuff, whether it be media or food, where we decide, you know what, I'm going to starve my sinful nature and I'm going to feed my spiritual flesh or my spiritual nature, so to speak. Study, learning the Word of God, putting it in to your spirit. Externally, living simplistically, not getting involved with so much stuff and buying so many things that they become our Lord and our Master. Stewardship, the whole principle of giving, is simply another act of saying, Lord, I recognize who you are, I give. And one of the, when, you know, one of the things, and we talked about this before, when, when we talk about when you hear the word giving, and it, a lot of people, that hostility comes out. It kind of shows us our nature with our time and our resources. Solitude, getting still. You know, it's great to talk to God, but it's even better to listen. And often that requires us getting in a quiet place, seeking His heart and listening. Submission to Him and His authority. Service, serving in, in aspects that we think, you know what, I don't have to do this. Or someone else can do this. Or I, I, my pay grade is above this. It all comes back to our heart and our spirit. Who do we want to be king? Who's going to rule? Evangelism, sharing of what God has done in our life, sharing of the good news. 
And then uh, Foster calls these corporate disciplines, and not corporate necessarily that everyone has to see them, but where they involve more than just you. Confession. It's not a word we talk a lot about in the evangelical world anymore, but sometimes confession is one person, particularly when you have harmed or put, uh, you have broken fellowship with someone where you confess and you seek to make things right. The Bible tells us in James chapter 5 that confess your faults to one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. Uh, for the fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. So as we recognize our sin and we recognize our need to confess, we do that. We confess it to individuals. Sometimes we, uh, we confess where we are spiritually uh, with others. And so we're open and honest uh, about where we are and what we need. Number two, worship. Uh, to give worth, to give honor, to give glory to. One of the reasons that we come here. Guidance. Uh, letting, God, letting people who are spiritually more mature than you are give you guidance and direction and listening. And then celebration, which is one of the reasons that we come here. Corporate celebration. Uh, as we clap, as we sing, as we praise, as we lift our hands, we celebrate His goodness. Those are disciplines that help clear the road for us to know Him and to walk with Him. Now, uh, I've used this illustration before, but I want to conclude with it because I think it's a, a good illustration there was, a, uh, there was a man, older man one time, who had a small farm, and he had a son, and uh, he had a horse. And he, had, he lived on this farm growing up as a child, and he had inherited it from his father. And his father had always told him, trust God and work hard. And uh, trust God and work hard. And that was the kind of the, the, uh, kind of the mento, or excuse me, the kind of the motto that he lived by. And so uh, one day... A wealthy man, a wealthy nobleman came through his farm and said, You know what? I like your horse. And I'll give you three years' wages for that horse. <clears throat> and the old man thought about it and he thought, No, thank you. For he knew it's going to take more than just three years of wages for my life for me to, to make it. I'm not just going to invest in for today and forget tomorrow. Plus, my motto is, I'm going to work hard and trust God. And so as he thought and prayed about it, he decided that's not what he needed to do. When his neighbor heard about it, he said, man, you're a fool. You could have had three years' wages. You wouldn't even have to work this old farm for the next three years. And the old man said, well, it's too early to tell or to make that decision, isn't it? And the neighbor went off shaking his head. Uh, later on, a few days later, that horse ran off. And all of a sudden, he had nothing, nothing to plow with other than his son, And the neighbor said, see, you should have taken the three years' wages. Now you don't have a horse or the money. And the old man said, well, it's too early to tell. It's too soon to tell. A few days later, that horse came back, and there were five other horses with him. And the neighbor said, oh, man, you're so wise. Oh, man, you're so wise that you held on and you waited. He said, it's still too early to tell. Well, uh, he... Somebody told him, you look, I'll give you so much money for those horses. And he said, no, I'm going to break them, and they'll be more valuable, and uh, I'll train them, and then I'll sell a few, and I'll probably keep an extra one. Well, it, as they were beginning to do that, beginning that process, his son got on one of those horses, and it was so wild that it threw him off, and it broke his leg. And his neighbor came back, see, old man, you should have sold those horses. Now your son's got a broken leg. He said, it's too early to tell. It's too soon to say. And about that time, civil war broke out in their community. And every able-bodied young man had to leave for war. And many of them were killed in battle. And as that neighbor came by, and he said, Old man, you were so wise. 
You were so wise to do what you have done. And what the old man say, it's still so soon, too early to say. That's a picture of faith. No matter what your circumstances are around you, no matter what happens to say, God, I trust that you ultimately will do what is best. You probably won't do what I want, but I give you the authority, and I have the faith and belief that you will do what's best. And I won't judge it on what's before me. I will trust you and do what's right, even in the midst of these situations, these challenges. For I believe that ultimately, you are doing what is right, and you have the bigger picture. That you are on the throne, so God, I'm not going to push you off and say you have no right. I will submit to your authority, and I will trust that ultimately, you know what is best, and that it's too soon for me to say. Have you come to that place where you've placed that kind of faith in Christ today? I want to invite you to do that. Let's pray. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. You say, I believe in God. I have a mental uh, acceptance of Him, but you've never committed your life and said, Lord, I take myself off the throne and I make you king. And even the things that I don't understand, even the things that I don't get, I trust you. And I won't make judgments about my life and about what you've brought into my life, but I will trust and believe that ultimately you will do what is right and then it's too early for me to make judgments on my life and upon what you're doing. So, Lord, uh, I trust you this day. I give you my heart. I give you my faith. And I put you on the throne as Lord of my life. If you've never recognized that you're a sinner, that you need him, that you are at war, that you are hostile toward him, then I invite you to do that to say, God, I recognize I've been against you. I have wanted to be Lord of my life, and I've been living as Lord of my life, but I want to make you Lord. I'm getting off the throne. I'm submitting to you, and I'm trusting you. I ask you to, to forgive me, and by grace, save me through faith. I put my trust and hope in Jesus. If you've never done that, I invite you to do that, to pray that. And if you prayed that, come back and share it with us. Right outside this exit door, we have our welcome room. Come by and just share with us that you've prayed that prayer. All right, let us give you more information. Let us visit with you. Or right in front of you, if you're a visitor this morning, take that card out from the front of your seat and fill that out with as much information you're comfortable and drop it in the offering bag when it comes by. And if you're a member or a visitor and you say, I, I prayed that prayer this morning or I, want, I have more questions or would you pray for me? Just mark that, and we'd be happy to do that. But we want to invite you to take that step of faith today toward God as he leads. We're going to have one verse of this song, and then we're going to receive our offering. And we invite you to give as an act of worship. And if God has spoken to you this morning, fill that card out, or if you're a visitor, and put that in the offering plate, and that'll be your gift to us. You respond as God leads.
suffered as if he did.
bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the countenance of the Lord fall upon you. May he grant you peace. Meet someone you don't know. Tell them you're glad they're here. God bless you. To the one who's making all 
reprogram you. I have a short in my avion cord that completely shuts. What's your notes? Oh, you're training? Oh, you training?
Good morning and welcome to this week's RPC3. Are you new to Rock Point? If so, make plans to attend the next Dinner with a Pastor being held on Sunday, September the 8th at 5 o'clock p.m. Yes, during Dinner with a Pastor, you will get to fellowship with our staff and learn more about RPC over a great free meal. <laughs> to sign up, just email Teresa at rpcstaff.org or visit our website under Connections. Operation Impact Kids is starting back up on September the 8th with a parent meeting at 4.30. And that'll be followed by the first Mission Challenge from 5 o'clock to 6.30 p.m. here in the sanctuary. Any child ages kindergarten through 8th grade can participate. So visit rockpointchurch.org children for more details and to register. Hey, Mommies in Connection is back. Sweet. Yeah, on September the 12th, join us here in the sanctuary from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. for a time of fellowship. And no registration is required. Yeah, just show up and bring your mom friends. That's it for this week. Make it a great one. Can we have a three-peat? Oh, you just jinxed it. I did. Here we go. September 1st, take two. September 1st, take two. Take three. All right. Mission is required. That's right. Just show up and bring your mom friends. That's it for this week. Make it a great one. <laughs> That's all we did, yeah? Oh, good, good. Okay. And we had a bang. Good morning, Rock Point family. It's great to see you this wonderful Sunday morning. Why don't you stand to your feet? Let's worship our Lord and Savior this morning. Sing the song with us, Like a Lion. Dead. 
He's surely alive. He's living on the inside, roaring like a lion. My God's not dead. He's surely alive. He's living on the inside, roaring like a lion. Roaring like a lion. Church, lift your voices up. Sing to our King. Let hope arise. Let hope arise and make the darkness hide. My faith is dead. My faith is dead. I need a resurrection somehow. Let hope arise and bring the darkness high. My faith is dead. I need a resurrection somehow. Now I'm lost in your freedom. Oh, this world I'll overcome. My God's not dead. He's surely alive. He's living on the inside, roaring like a lion. My God's not dead. He's surely alive. He's living on the inside, roaring like a lion. My God's not dead. Surely alive, he's living on the inside, roaring like a lion. My God's not dead. He should be alive. He's living on the inside, roaring like a lion. He should be alive. Let heaven roar and find. Shake the ground with the sound of revival. Let heaven roar and fire fall. Come shake the ground with the sound of revival. Let heaven roar and fire fall. Come shake the ground. Sound of revival. Let heaven roar and fire fall. Come shake the ground with the sound of revival. My God's not dead. He's surely alive. He's living on the inside, roaring like a lion. My God's not dead. He's surely alive, he's living on the inside, roaring like a lion, my God's not dead. He's surely alive, he's living on the inside, roaring like a lion, my God's not dead. 